and good morning, church. Good morning to those who are joining us online. I'd like to uh, begin with some good news worthy of celebration this morning. This is the Adams family. This is their Christmas Eve family picture. But fast forward to New Year's Day, and this is their picture. Little Andrew was born um, on New Year's Day. Uh, so congratulations to the Adams family. Congratulations also to the Ripley family. This is Jake and Amanda's little one, Ezra Jacob. So congratulations. Yes, let's give them a round of applause as well. Wanted to pass that good news on to you. So you'll see third flag from the top is Kazakhstan. Michael referenced uh, Kazakhstan. And I actually would like to take a moment and uh, pray for them as well this morning. Uh, Just if you don't know, our church, 12 years ago, I had the privilege of traveling for the first time to Kazakhstan. And we just love them so much. Uh, the saints, they are beautiful people. Um, I travel there often, as do many from our church. You might know that their country is experiencing some political upheaval at the moment, instability. Um, they do send me notes when they can, but that's difficult when the government shuts the internet down. Uh, so they try to slide things out as they can. But I would just like to take a moment as well, if you just join me as we, as we pray for them. Would you join me, please? Most gracious Heavenly Father, we thank you that you indeed are sovereign. You are Lord. We trust you completely. Lord, we pray for our brothers and sisters in Christ, in Kazakhstan. We pray for those who are in Almaty, where so much of this is centered. We pray for resolution and peace. We pray for your people, that you would fill them with courage, that they would trust you completely, that they would be a salt and a light even during these difficult times. Sustain them, encourage them, and help them, we pray. It's in Jesus' name that we pray. Amen. Well, thank you for joining me there. So I invite you uh, to take your Bibles and turn or scroll to 1 John. You're going to hold your place there because we're going to travel to some other places before we get there. But we are hopping back into 1 John, our sermon series. Today's passage is one that every single Christian should be well acquainted with. Today's passage speaks to that which we cannot let our eyes off of. The Apostle John, we call him the Apostle of Love. He references love 26 times in this short letter. In this case... He is going to speak in the negative. He is going to tell us what not to love. Where to not set our affection. This is not specifically about behavior. It's about that which governs our behavior. What 
Who do we love? Where are our affections? If we can get that part right, behavior and actions typically and easily and naturally follow. So this passage warrants some Old Testament background. The enduring message of God's word never changes. Details emerge and the plot develops as you go from the Hebrew scriptures into the New Testament, of course. But at the core, there are two paths in life before us. God's way and the other way. It really is that simple. And we as believers who have put our faith in Christ are faced daily with the temptation to veer off of that path in little ways and often in big ways. One of these paths leads to life and the other one leads to misery in every way. So I take you to Psalm chapter 1. Almost right in the middle of your Bible. This was the first passage that I ever memorized as a kid. My grandfather sat me down, 10 years old I think, and said, you are going to memorize this passage. And he wanted me to recite it to him before he left to go back. At that time he was living in England. Psalm chapter 1. Blessed is the man who walks not in the counsel of the wicked, nor stands in the way of sinners, nor sits in the seat of scoffers. Notice the Jewish idiomatic expression. Essentially, you're either sitting, standing, or you're walking, you're moving. In Jewish thought. So oftentimes when you read particularly the Old Testament, you will see God's truth kind of couched in those terms. You're sitting, you're standing, or you're going somewhere. And what the message is, whenever you are doing any of those things, let it be the Lord's way. Notice, the man of God is renewing his mind. As Paul tells us, his delight is in the law of the Lord. That's the word of God, the truth of God. And on his law, he meditates day and night. Now, listen, when you delight in something, that's not something that's contrived. You don't have to fake it. If you delight in something, you naturally go in that direction. This is not a show. His delight on the inner parts is for the word and the truth of God. And he does not engage it passively. He does not engage it in passing. No, he meditates. He focuses. He reflects. Thinks about it in his mind. 
And there is a natural result that comes as a part of that, as a result of that. He is like a tree planted by streams of water that yields its fruit in its season. The life of God becomes evident in his life. Its leaf does not wither. Oh, tough times come. But God's faithfulness never ceases. In all that he does, he prospers. Why? Because in all that he does, he's chasing after God. Thus, the man or the woman of God thrives. While the righteous thrive, the wicked have another plight. He continues. The wicked are not so, but are like the chaff that the wind drives away. Therefore, the wicked will not stand in judgment nor sinners in the congregation of the righteous. There is a contrast that is developed. And that contrast is enlarged as he finishes. For the Lord knows the way of the righteous, but the way of the wicked will perish. Notice those thoughts. Because John will take those thoughts and give them to you again in our passage. Let us briefly consult the prophetic voice. The prophets. I take you to Jeremiah. Known as the weeping prophet, Jeremiah chapter 6. Look at verse 16. Thus says the Lord, stand by the roads and look and ask for the ancient paths. Where the good way is. And walk in it and find rest for your souls. Look closely at what Jeremiah is saying. Give thought to your life. Look at the path ahead of you. You are ultimately going to go one way or the other. Notice how he anchors God's truth in ancient truth. Because God's truth does not change. Virtually every generation, it's entirely predictable, will come up with something new that we haven't thought of before. And Jeremiah is telling us, listen, God's wisdom is ancient, it is enduring, it never changes, it does not need for us to rewrite it. But notice what he says. Figure it out, discern it, and then walk in it. That's action. That's intentionality. You're putting thought to how you live your life, and you're not just having nice thoughts, but you are actually putting your feet behind your thoughts, and you are actively moving in God's path. Where else do we find this statement? You will find rest for your soul. 
Remember Jesus? Come to me, all you who are weak and heavy burdened, Matthew 11. These are one of the fine proofs of the divinity of Christ. Because only Christ could say that. Jeremiah will point you to God. But Christ will call you to himself with the same result. But oh, the hardened hearts of sinners. But they said, nope, we will not walk in it. That was the life of the prophet. That's really why he's called the weeping prophet. Because he kept on saying the same thing they ignored and judgment fell. Now with that as our backdrop, we will not be surprised with what John tells us this morning. We are in John chap- 1 John chapter 2 and we're going to begin in verse 15. This is what John tells us. Do not love the world or the things in the world. If anyone loves the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the desires or the lusts of the flesh The desires of the eyes and the pride of life is not from the Father, but is from the world. And the world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. What a profound message for each and every one of us. When he says, do not love the world, the Greek construction is such that he's indicating that to some degree, it's already happening. And it will always be present. And I think each of us as believers in Christ will affirm that is our daily experience. There's a tug. There are temptations. There are distractions. We must have the mindset every day and all throughout our life that there will be temptations. There will be things or people that will pull us away from God. Remember, he's talking about affection, where you place your affections, your love. Because if we can get that right, Everything flows from there. So I propose the first thing we should do is gain a proper understanding of what he means when he says the world. He says, do not love the world. An immediate observation will be, well, John also said in a very well-known verse, chapter 3, verse 16, God so loved the world. So clearly we see that the word world can be used in different ways, not only in John's writing, but in the New Testament. Notice in verses 14, 15, and 16, John references the world, the flesh, and the devil. When he speaks about the world, 
He's not talking about nature, per se, or the earth itself. But remember the world, the New Testament tells us, is under the dominion of the evil one. We are told to love God, to love people, to love righteousness. And we're also told to not love the world. So I think the primary understanding of what the world is that we are not to love is how John describes it a little later on. He names three things. The desires of the flesh, the lust, the strong desires of the flesh. Remember when we preached through Ephesians, Paul made it very clear you once were following the desires of the flesh and now you're not. You were once following Satan and now you're not. And Paul reminds us over and over again to live as children of the light because you're no longer of darkness. The desires of the flesh, the lust of the flesh is kind of a catch-all phrase. Everything that comes from my sinful nature. You see, I'm born again. I am a new creation in Christ. But I am not yet in glory. I am subject to temptation. Until God fulfills ultimately and finally and completely his promise to me. To conform me to the image of Christ. The desires or the lust of the eyes. What we see. Right? We remember toddlers. You can you just watch them. They see it. And you know exactly what they're thinking in their mind. I want that. And so they kind of bobble over to get it. Right? So what? Scripture has so much to speak on this. Eve saw the fruit and saw that it was good, that it was desirable. That temptation. David obviously laid eyes on Bathsheba and he followed the lust that began with what he saw and he acted on that. There's the pride of life, the boasting of what we have accomplished, who we know, what we possess. How much money we have. What we can flaunt for others to see. To show them that we have arrived. That we are somebody. Oh, the way of the gospel is so contrary to that. Remember the Sermon on the Mount? Very, the very, very first words that Jesus said in his first sermon recorded? Blessed are the poor in spirit. When I am poor in spirit, I know my need before God. And I'm not boasting about Colin. I don't have a slide, but take your Bibles and look at uh, Galatians. Galatians chapter 6. 
this crossed my mind on the way coming in this morning. Listen to Paul's final words to the Galatians. Verse 14. But far be it from me to boast except in the cross of our Lord Jesus Christ. By which the world has been crucified to me and I to the world. There's a clean break. I belong to Christ. Far be it that I should boast or glory or brag in anything other than the cross of Christ. That should be our mentality. I think this is such a fitting message to begin the new year with. Right from the start, to be reminded to not lay our affections or set our affections on things that are shiny because those things are passing. Earlier on, Sam read from Colossians chapter 3. I'm going to read it again. Verse 1. If then you have been raised with Christ, seek the things that are above where Christ is seated at the right hand of God. Set your minds on things that are above, not on things that are on the earth. Set your mind, intentionality, what you think. Why? What he just told the Galatians, verse 3. For you have died and your life is hidden with Christ in God. When Christ who is your life appears, then will you also appear with him in glory. Notice he does not say that Christ is in your top 10. He doesn't even say that Christ is the most important thing in your life or person. He says he is your life. That is what John is after. You see, we call it legalism when churches or ministries or Christians in general will, will begin to define what it means to be a Christian or how to live as a Christian based on a list of do's and don'ts. And certainly there are sins that we, and vices that we want to avoid for sure. But notice what the Spirit is doing here in John's writing. He is, t- he is telling us first to make sure we set our affections on the Lord. Do not set your affections on worldly things because if we get our heart right, behavior will follow. I think this also has to do with worldly philosophies. Colossians chapter 2, verse 6. Every year, around graduation time, growing up, our pastor would remind us of this passage. Colossians 2, verse 6. See to it that no one takes you captive by philosophy and empty deceit. According to human tradition. According to the elemental spirits of the world. And not according to Christ. He says, watch out. Be careful. There are a lot of enticing and fine sounding arguments out there. But we must 
Test everything with the straight edge. That is the word of God. Therefore, he continues along those lines. As you have received Christ Jesus, the Lord, so walk in him. Rooted and established in the faith. I'm sorry, rooted and built up in him and established in the faith. Just as you were taught. Now watch this. He says abounding with thanksgiving. You see when we walk with Christ. When we set our affections on things above. When we are reminded of who we are in Christ. Gratitude just flows. It is hard to be a complaining Christian. When you're, when you're focused on Christ. But the opposite is also true. We can fall into the trap of complaining when we take our minds or our thoughts off of Christ. Now a solid reason to not love the elements of this world is this simple fact. It is facing judgment and it will not last. So much of what people run after, it has a shelf life. Your bank account is not following you at the funeral home. It's simply these passing things are not worthy of our time and our efforts, our affection. Now, we're in the world but not of it. He's not saying don't enjoy the things of the world. He's not saying don't be productive. He's not saying don't you know, be obviously you know, duly employed and earn a nice salary because you can be generous with other people to other people with that as well. But don't set your affection on these things. You may have noticed I'm wearing my MAF shirt, Mission Aviation Fellowship. It was on yesterday's date in 1956 that five missionaries were killed in Ecuador. There's a book and a movie called Through Gates of Splendor. Highly recommended. They went to what they knew was a very hostile tribe. They did their very, very best to assure them of their good intentions. But nonetheless, when they made landfall, when they actually went... They were killed promptly and violently. Jim Elliott, you might recall this, says he is no fool to lose what he cannot keep and gain what he cannot lose. Oh, they knew the risk, but they deemed that risk to be worth it. To bring the gospel to a tribe that they believed did not know the good news of Christ. He is no fool to lose what he cannot keep, to gain what he cannot lose. Within just a few years, the very ones who killed these missionaries would then believe in the one who sent them. And the gospel to this day thrives in that place 
and in that tribe. Some 60 years or so later, MAF would lose another pilot. Her name is Joyce Lynn. She's with the Lord. She's hanging out with these guys. As Tim was saying earlier, we hosted a funeral for a longtime elder from Rock Creek Church. You might know we have them use some of our facilities during the pandemic. I only met Dale once, but everything that everybody says about him is so true, just on what I experienced, just briefly meeting him. He served as an elder for decades. But just as Tim was saying, knowing someone close to you who passes away, even if it's not a surprise, because it wasn't with Dale, you think about eternity. You think about your priorities. You think about where you are investing yourself. Let's have the scriptures speak to this very truth. James chapter 1. Regarding the passing nature of life. Come now you who say today or tomorrow we will go into such and such and such a town and spend a year there and trade and make a profit. Yet you don't even know what tomorrow will bring. How many of us were making plans in early 2020? We can get so wrapped up in the here and the now and we're making plans, we want to make a profit, and none of those things are bad in and of themselves, but he says, put it in perspective. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. You're here and you're gone. You might live a long life, you may not. What James is putting his finger on is this. Are you running after that which is fleeting? Are you chasing a dream that will become your nightmare? Again, Colossians 3. Even to the believer who is born again, who has an inheritance laid up in heaven, we must be reminded over and over and over and over again To set our affections on things above. Because we can get distracted. We face temptation. And Lord knows. We can be susceptible to that. Back to Psalm 1. Remember his last statement. The Lord knows the way of the righteous. But the way of the wicked will perish. It's precisely what John tells us as well. The world is passing away along with its desires, but whoever does the will of God abides forever. We're not done yet, but I want to put these thoughts to you now. Where are my affections. 
this is really good for us to make a review now in January. You see, actions very rarely take place in a vacuum. When you hear of somebody, maybe you respect them or maybe you don't, you hear of someone committing an atrocious sin. There's the inevitable shock. I never expected that from him or from her. Saints, we all have a brain, let me tell you. Thoughts were running around upstairs before any action was ever committed. It's just the truth. And that's why Paul tells us in Romans 12 to renew our mind constantly. As believers in Christ, as we follow him, we must renew our minds. So focus on your thoughts and ask yourself this question. Where are your, where are my affections? In addition, when we think about our affections, our priorities will govern our activity. If it is important to us, we'll likely get it done. If we lessen the importance of it in our mind, it likely will fall by the wayside. So a good question to ask is, what are things that I know I should be doing and I likely desire to do, but I'm actually not doing? And remember this truth as well. Conviction inspires excellence. When you think of the various ways in which you and I serve the Lord, in which you and I rub shoulders with other people as we love people and love our neighbor and express that in tangible ways, if the conviction is there, what we do, what God leads us to do, will inevitably be done with excellence. And it all goes back to the mind. It all goes back to what we think about, where we park our mind, And how we train our mind and also where our affections are. If those things are in place, the results for us will be very good. I want to read for you the actual fulfillment, the consummation of what John and James and David and Jeremiah have been speaking to. This is Revelation chapter 21. It's the second to last chapter in your Bible. You might know that in your Bible, there are two chapters at the beginning in which the world is free of sin and temptation and heartache and so forth. There are two chapters at the end in real time where we no longer have the presence of sin and temptation and so forth. Revelation chapter 21, verse... One, then I saw a new heaven and a new earth for the first heaven and the first earth had passed away and the sea was no more. So what James and John and Paul and David and Jeremiah have been pointing to John now in the spirit is showing us, well, that's actually happened now. I'm just telling you, I don't want to be reunited with our brother Collins. 
I don't want to see the saints that have gone before us and hang my head in shame because I wasted my time. Because I was arrogant towards other people. Because I did not show the compassion that the Lord and the love that the Lord had put in my heart to those around me. Verse 3, and I heard a loud voice from the throne saying, behold, there's your behold statement. Behold, the dwelling place of God is with man. He will dwell with them and they will be his people. And God himself will be with them as their God. He will wipe away every tear from their eyes and death shall be no more. Neither shall there be mourning, nor crying, nor pain anymore for the former things have passed away. God is making all things new. The pathway to that is through faith in his son, Jesus Christ. When the life of God enters into our life. We can't have it both ways. We can't name the name of Christ and be wasting our time in worthless and futile matters. John's premise is, throughout his letter, as believers, we grow in a sincere love for God. By loving righteousness and by loving people. And actually, that becomes more and more natural. If the love of the Father is in us, as Paul told the Romans, uh, chapter 5, the first couple verses, it's going to show up in our life. It's going to show up in our disposition. There will always be a tug and a pull. Saints, never let your guard down. Ever. I remember when I was a a teen, I was taking a walk with an older brother that I respected greatly. And he just made the comment to me. I think we were talking about temptations and such. And he said, yeah. I'm not sure when that comes to an end, actually. I'm looking at him. I mean, I was a teenager. I'm looking at him, and he's like hobbling. He's, he's old and elderly at that point. But he was just telling the truth. He said, I'm not sure when that ends, because it hasn't happened for me yet. Point being, be intentional. Be vigilant. There's always temptation, and there's always the possibility of being sidetracked, And distracted and pulled into sin. Let's bow and prepare our hearts for prayer. I suspect for each and every one of us there's room and the need to examine ourselves. To examine where our affections are, to see if there are places in our life where our affections have been led astray. I know I've thought about that a lot as I've been reflecting on this passage.
So let's just take a little bit of time for the Lord to search our hearts, to be quiet before Him. If you're here or within the sound of my voice, as I said earlier, the gateway, that initial step in the right direction is to realize that we actually cannot remedy this thing called sin, our failures. And to believe that the Lord Jesus Christ himself took our sin upon himself, died on a cross, was buried and rose again. The Bible says, believe on the Lord Jesus Christ and you will be saved. Abandon your own efforts to rectify what is before you. Call on the name of the Lord Jesus. Put your faith and your trust in him as your Savior and Lord. Most gracious Heavenly Father, thank you for yet another day. Despite the challenges around us, oh Lord, you are faithful. May we not be dissuaded in our walk with you to wander, to give in just a little bit, but to be vigilant, to be intentional, to be resolved, to follow you in all areas of our life. I am so thankful for the gracious and gentle correction that you give us. In those areas that we need to work on or change or develop. Oh, I pray for the encouragement to do just that. Thank you for the voice of conviction that comes from your Holy Spirit. Always clear. Always gracious. And always specific. When we sense your conviction. May we make the necessary changes. But Lord, we don't do this. We don't do these things out of obligation. We do these things because we know that you love us. And you have shed your love abroad in our hearts. We confess it is so easy to be distracted pulled away, discouraged. Lord, let us see you clearly. All of these things we pray in Jesus' name. Amen.